Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, good morning, Palmer. It's good to be back with y'all. Uh, been a while, and uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to keep, continue on through our Living Out Loud series. We've talked about uh, lamenting. We've talked about uh, psalms of wisdom. Uh, we'll be looking at psalms of thanksgiving. But uh, today we're looking at psalms of instructions, and I've titled my sermon, Don't Be a Mule, Living Wise in a Foolish World. That's good. Um, we're going to be looking at several texts today, and uh, they're, they're going to be regarding instruction, and it's, it's text-heavy today. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures because I want us to grasp the importance that scripture places on the need for us, uh, humanity, to be instructed. And uh, so there's several uh, texts all throughout the Bible that address this, and we're going to be looking at many of them. But uh, instruction is important in our lives. In fact, I remember uh, years ago when I was a youth pastor down in Washington, we took a group to um, the Sawtooth Mountain Range, and if you've never been there, um, it, it, it compares to Alaska easily. Beautiful, beautiful hiking and, and trekking down there. But we had uh, gotten to a place where we were camped at the base of uh, this, this peak that we're going to, Thompson Peak, which is about 10,000 feet. And uh, we decided we were going we to uh, set up camp early and then sleep for a couple hours, then get up around 2 o'clock, uh, 2 a.m. to hike up so we could actually watch the sunrise from this peak. Um, and so we began uh, setting up. We had about, I think we had close to eight or nine uh, youth and young adults with us. Some experienced, some not experienced. Uh, we had headlamps and we began setting out up to the to summit Thompson Peak. And uh, on the way up, the guides we had two guides that, that were fairly familiar with this particular trail. And they said, "Look, we are going to be in complete dark darkness. You are going to have a headlamp, and if someone gets lost, we're not finding them." There are cliffs you can fall off of. You have to watch every step, every footing uh, that you place on the way up. You have to be attentive to. And I think about the, the reality that if we had chosen not to listen to the, to the instructions of those guides specifically, and, and when I mean specifically, when they say hug a wall, you hug a wall on the way up, that many of us would have never made it. We wouldn't have ever got to be up there and watch the magnificence of the sun rise in one of the most beautiful areas in, in all of the lower 48, I'm convinced. It, it's absolutely magnificent. You, you, you summit and you come to this place of realization that you look down where you came from and it's a speck and you think about all the hardships and all the journey along the way and how we had to listen to the instruction in order to get to this point where we can enjoy the beauty of God in this moment. See, we all have moments in our faith journey where we catch a, catch a glimpse of that mountaintop clarity, right? That perspective, that purpose, that profound sense of divine understanding, right? Or as scripture calls it, the mind of Christ. 
The things begin to make sense in our hearts. It's those moments when the John 16 counseling work of the Spirit begins to open the eyes of our hearts to truly understanding the mysteries, the confusion, and all those things that surpass our understanding. I'm often astonished by how much time I spend thinking and planning before I go to consult Christ. It's as though I I truly believe that my current understanding or situation or path forward is superior to what God could offer. Or worse yet, maybe, maybe I know what Christ wants me to do or the path he wants me to take and I still try to plan another way. But here's the deal. The Christ we find in scriptures isn't just our redeemer. He's also our king, our guiding authority. That we don't get to believe Christ and follow his instructions in his way for salvation and then, and then set him aside and continue to live on our life. That he is reigning king in our life. That we continue to follow his guidance, continue to follow his instructions in our life. In fact, salvation by nature requires an admission that we need something more than ourselves, right? More than our efforts or our understanding. It's a surrendering to the way of Christ. That's the message of the cross, right? That we can't, so he did. The message, the cross is the message that we are incapable, that we need something beyond our own efforts, beyond our own desires, that we need Christ to make that way for us, as Christ would say, I am the way. So the cross is, is our admission, is, is outing us in our own ability to, to walk this life into eternity. Could it be that we're willing to surrender to his guidance for salvation, but unwilling to surrender for other things? Maybe some things we like to keep close. Now, here's the kicker. When we don't aim to let Christ's counsel, his counsel, be the authority in our lives, we're actually missing out on undoubtedly the greatest part of this life, which is peaceful union with God. That we spend our whole lives oftentimes in this struggle with this chasm, not understanding how God offers peace, but our lives feel like chaos constantly. Could it be that we're refusing to surrender certain parts of our life and and the tension we're feeling is actually the tension with what we want to do and what God wants us to be doing? Maybe it's out of fear that we don't do these things. Maybe it's out of misunderstanding that we don't do these things. So is your life missing joy? Is it, is it missing that union, that unity, that, that, that abiding, that remaining with God that we talk about, that experiencing that closeness with God? Maybe it's that we've desired salvation, but nothing more. So what's the difference between a heart that is ready to be guided and one that's not? Well, the truth is that it's pride. And what's at the root of pride? It's independence. In fact, Jeremiah 2.13 says this. After all of of Israel's failings and all the things that even we've looked about in the the Old Testament this past year of of, of Israel's failings and the, the evils that they've committed, this is what God tells his people through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, for my people have committed two evils. 
They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they rejected God and tried to do life on their own. It's a pride of independence. And the results of that are intense labor and complete failure. These are the proud people who said, I'm good, I don't need instructions, God. We'll do, our, we'll do things our own way. Yet God is beckoning us to just follow his ways, to trust in the process of his ways. To give ear to his instruction. How well has it worked out for us when we've tried to do things on our own? I mean, let's be honest. He says, my sheep hear my voice. See, God wants to have an active role in our life. He wants wants us to realize that he is pleased to guide us. He's not a God off in a distance playing games with us or, or calling us and saving us and then being like, hey, go live your Christian life on your own. And by the way, good luck. And if you mess up, I might be a little angry with you. That's not the God of Scripture. That's not what we're taught, that God saves us in order to have a relationship with us, in order to have a union with us. As as Jesus would say, Father, that that they would be one with us as you are one with me, That that we would be one with God, that we would be fully surrendered to God in union. See, when Christ ascended, humanity was given the Spirit as our guide. And why? Why did we need a spirit? Because God knows the way to peace. He knows the challenges we face, the confusion we have, the heartache we feel, the fears that cripple us. He knows it all. And he offers wisdom to us and instruction to us in three ways. The first, by his spirit. Second, by his word. And third, by his people. The question we have to answer today is this. Will we be teachable? Will we be open to instruction, even if it's uncomfortable? Or will we continue to rely on our independence? We're going to be in Psalm 25 this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn there. We're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 14. It's a Psalm of David. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your way, O oh Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have, been from, uh, they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. 
Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being. His offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. Father, would you, Lord, would you speak to us through your spirit? God, would you take the information that we read in this, in this book written with ink, Lord, and would you bring, breathe life into it for us, God? Would you convict us where we need conviction? Would you encourage us where we need encouragement, Lord? Would you correct us? Would you guide us this morning, Lord? Would you speak to us individually, Lord, that we would know your way and be led by our shepherd? We ask this in your name, amen. So who is given instruction? Well, first we see in, in verses four and five, it's those that are, that, who are humble. See, David's modeling this posture of humility, almost this, this raw dependence on the Lord, and he's crying out, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, teach me your truth. Lead me in your truth and teach me. These are the cries of a heart that recognizes he needs something. He needs some some divine intervention from God. Even David, in all of his successes, in all of his uh, callings, in all of of the, the accomplishments he's had, he still recognizes that he is but a servant to the one who is his guide. Verse 9, it says, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. See, humility is a requirement. Growth and understanding demand humility. You can transfer information. You You can have information coming into your mind, but without a humble heart, you will not receive it as instruction. Because receiving it as instruction is a confession that we don't know. That we need an outside influence. And the second people we see who are given instruction are those who fear the Lord. Verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he should choose. So what is the fear of the Lord? Well, we know it's associated with wisdom and and knowledge. In fact, Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Practice fearing the Lord. What does that mean? Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 34, 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I thought fear of the Lord is just something we have, something that, that we just kind of feel towards God. Maybe we're kind of confused and we're afraid of him, but we're not really afraid of him, but love casts out fear. So I'm not sure how I should be afraid of God, if, but I'm told it's the beginning of wisdom and we kind of just set it aside, never really grasping the concept and never really moving into a life of wisdom. See, the fear of the Lord is a humbled recognition of God's authority, his holiness, and his sovereignty. It's a humbled recognition. Much like when you summit a mountain, you have a humbled recognition of how tiny you are. Why is this fear, this this idea of reverence, 
the beginning of wisdom. Because when we begin to recognize our place, we begin to see the reality of ourselves in light of God. And we begin to see the reality of God in light of ourselves. We begin to walk in humility or sober-mindedness as we're instructed in the truth of God. Those who want to be wise begin by having a reverence for the reality of God. See, instructions for us men especially, we don't like those. We feel like that's a waste of paper when it comes in the box. Until we recognize that we don't actually know. Till we hit a place in the process where we have to refer back to the instructions. Then in that moment, we recognize the need, the authority for instructions. But we tend so often just want to do things our own way and consider not the instructions needed. And really, the root of that is pride. It, it truly is. Now, we laugh it off because it's very typical, but the reality is it's, it's a recognition of thinking that, well, I know how to put this thing together that I've never put together before. It's just some screws, an Allen wrench that strips out after the first two, and a pack of papers. I don't know why. Maybe we'll burn those later. And we'll just start putting this together. And then we get three quarters of the way into it and realize that we have one piece on the wrong side, and we've used the wrong bolts. And now all of a sudden, we're wondering why these idiots didn't give us enough of the right bolts. I mean, it's the same story over and over and over. And it's the same ways we often bring ourselves into the relationship with God that, hey, I will receive the instructions of salvation, but thanks God, I got it from here. And we begin to deny instructions, deny the very things that would allow us to become men of wisdom, people of wisdom. And the next the next. Uh, people that are taught are those who seek wisdom. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. In other words, he will, he will go help. He will be looking for help. He will be, he will be out asking those questions. I, I'm in a, in a phase of my life now where I've realized that I've had the beautiful privilege of, of observing men in the city gates of our community for several years now. And I've gotten to watch all of their, all of their successes, all of their wisdom, all the things of this life. And I'm, I'm just, I'm like the, I feel like the young buck just learning from them and watching their lives and, and mimicking some and, and learning what not to do, but also learning what to do. And, and I realized like, man, where would I be without these guys in my life? And many of them have no idea the amount of, the, the level of impact they've had in my life. But at some point, I must be the man in the city gates. Because those men will leave and a new generation will come. And if I don't receive instruction, if I don't possess the wisdom, then I will have nothing to pass on to my children. I will have nothing to leave as an inheritance for my children, for the next generation of those. And so my calling is to learn, to, to seek wisdom. Proverbs 9.9, 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Psalm 119.66, teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe in your commandments. Teach me good judgment. I don't just rely on myself for it. Teach me, Lord. Give me, give me instructions. Give me wisdom. 
my, my youngest son, he was six at the time, he asked me uh, maybe one of the deeper questions <laughs> and most, most uh, uh, off-guard questions uh, I, had, I had, uh, had any of my kids ask me at an age like that. We were getting ready to go for a bike ride, and he said, Dad, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And I'm like, uh, I don't even know how to answer that right now. But because we were getting ready to go on a bike ride, I said to him, I said, well, Evan, I said, knowledge says that when you ride your bike with sandals on, you ride it on the road. If you wreck, your skin is going to get eaten off your foot by the, by the, by the asphalt. That's, that's knowledge. That's the reality. He said, well, what's wisdom? I said, wisdom is not wearing sandals when you ride a bike. And, and it clicked for him. A couple days later, we're at a friend's house, and he hops on their bike, uh, on one of the, the kids' bikes, and he has his sandals on. I said, Evan, are you using wisdom? He says, nope, just knowledge. <laughs> but he understands the difference. He understands that, that knowledge does not mean wisdom. Wisdom is taking that knowledge and using it yeah, in the appropriate way. But if we don't ever even come to that recognition that we even need knowledge, that we need wisdom, then we'll never, we'll continue riding the bikes with sandals on and wondering why our feet keep getting scraped up when we, when we fall on our bikes. Teach me good judgment, Lord, and knowledge. And the, the last group that I observed that he gives instruction to are sinners. Verse 8, Psalm 25, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. Yes, he instructs sinners because his desire is that no man would perish. In fact, how did you and I come to our saving faith? Because he instructed us in the way of the righteous. He instructs the lost on how to be found. So that's who is given instruction. Now, what are we instructed in? Well, Psalm 94.10 would tell us knowledge. He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge. So knowledge comes from the author, from the creator. He teaches us, we're, we're instructed in his will. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful prayer. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. We're instructed in his way. Psalm 86.11, teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth. And this is the most beautiful phrase. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. It teaches us doctrine. First Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to doctrine, or to, to teaching. Devote ourselves to it. Why? Because we, it, it requires a recognition that we don't know, that we need to continue to be growing in our knowledge, in our understanding of the things of God, that we may fear him and gain wisdom. But how are we instructed well, we're told in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So we say, okay, well, if I could walk with Jesus, 
then I could learn from him. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The spirit is given to us. The John 16 counseling work of the spirit is given to us, not just to teach us truth of our salvation, but all truth to guide us into all discernment, all truth. He is, he is willing and, and, and given to us for that purpose. It's through the spirit we have access to the wisdom of God. I mean, think about that for a moment. The wisdom of God, of creator, of, of, of the, the one who is holy, the one who is completely set apart from all of creation. And he's saying, hey, I will give you my spirit so you have access to my wisdom. You have access to me to remain with me as I am remaining with you. I can give you the mind of Christ. Do you want that mind? Do you want to know how to operate in the wisdom? Do you want to know how to listen to the guidance of the spirit? Then come be with me. We have access to him. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I love this prayer that the God, <clears throat> see Apostle Paul, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance with the saints? Do you want to know what the riches of Christ's inheritance with us are? Then we need the eyes of our hearts enlightened. And this is where it moves beyond knowledge. Because knowledge, we can, we can fill our heads with knowledge all, all, our, all our lives and never have the eyes of our hearts opened or enlightened. But he also instructs us through the word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Yeah, okay, Paul, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I don't feel equipped for anything. I'm not complete, Lord. I'm barely surviving here. But Timothy, or Paul writes to Timothy, that scripture is actually profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. So maybe if I'm not complete and equipped, maybe it's because I'm not teachable. Maybe it's because I'm choosing to not go to the word for instructions. Maybe it's that I'm not tired enough of trying my own approach to things, living in my own independence. We must be in the word. We must have a desire for correction, a desire for reproof. And then we're, we're instructed by each other. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. I know many of you in this congregation. I know the wisdom that you have. I know the experiences that you've, that you've, that you've had walking with the Lord and, and the, the failures and the successes. 
And I know that that story of your faith and your journey with the Lord can be what completely alters another person's life. I know your time in the word. I know your, your time communing with God. I know your heart's desire. And that is what others need. But it requires us to be with others. This is one of the great benefits of life groups is that we get to share our experiences, share our knowledge, share our fear of the Lord. So what are the results of instruction? Well, Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, training us, there's the need for training, training us to renounce ungodly and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Another result is wisdom, Proverbs 15, 31 and 33. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instructions despises himself. Man, what happens when we get to that point where we finally break out the instructions? There's a little bit of that going on, isn't it? Stupid, I'm just an idiot. I can't, I should have just done this in the first place. Just, we, we go right to that place. I mean, there is wisdom in scripture, friends. My goodness. Whoever ignores instructions despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. So often we want the honor without the humility. We want the honor of, from our own independent pursuits of things. That We want to be able to hold that accomplishment and say, look what I did. And it says that humility comes before honor. Proverbs 4, 13, keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. I counsel with people often who are in their older years, maybe in the, in the, in the 70s, maybe, maybe late 60s, 70s, even up into 80s. And there are, there are it is so clear to me, after we begin talking a little bit, at the point of their life which they said, I'm done. They have, they, have, they have ceased to continue to grow in their wisdom, in their, in their forgiveness. And so they hold on to these things their entire life. And that's why you find some, some older folks that are just completely bitter completely dead inside. And then you see those other folks who are full of life. I meet with a man every week. He's 90, 93 years old, an incredible man, driving himself around, doing his own plumbing, one of the wittiest, smartiest, quick guys, uh, knowledgeable of scripture, everything. It's, it's just a joy of my heart to meet him. And, he's, and he tells me often, he's like, Josh, I just didn't stop growing. And he's like, and I'm an idiot. I just knew I needed to keep growing. <laughs> I'm like, man, you, you are amazing. But it requires a constant pursuit of instruction to guard her for she is your life. It produces fruitfulness. Hebrews 12, 10 and 11, for they, the fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness 
For the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then it gives us hope. Instruction gives us hope. Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. See, remember that we're not, we're not being trained for Christian careers. We're being trained for godliness. And when that instruction becomes the conviction of our hearts, it results in the experience with God. See, conviction is the glue that holds the, the true spiritual instruction together. Otherwise, it just becomes religion. Instruction must go from the head, the knowledge, to, to the heart of, of conviction and deep-seated desire and to the work or experience, being a doer of the word. This is the instruction that pertains to godliness. It's the fruit that remains. In fact, the greatest instruction we were ever given was by Jesus. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Do we know how to love well? Do we know how to love like Christ? How did Christ love us? Completely sacrificially. Never required anything in return, but continued to pour himself out in love for us. There wasn't an exchanging of love where you scratch my back and I'll scratch your back, but there was this complete giving of oneself. Do we know how to love like that? Do we know how to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? Do, do we have that obsessive focus on loving God? Well, it's a process that we'll, we'll be working on our entire lives. But are we growing in that? Because there's instruction for it, and God's instruction is not burdensome. It's actually a gift. Instruction is a lamp unto our feet. Scripture says it's a light unto our path. It's the headlamp that we have to look down on the ground and see where we need to be putting that next step. It guides us through the darkest valleys and leads us to the greenest pastures. I'll have the worship team come back up. I'll close with this verse. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Not, not waiting, not like a, a waiting to mock us, not waiting to cast us away, but I will instruct you as, as a good father would instruct his son or his daughter in something. I will, I will guide you. I will be patient with you. I will have my eye on you. I won't leave you, but I will instruct you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curved with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. So how do we not be a mule? Well, in order to learn what is right, we have to unlearn what is wrong. And what is wrong is that we actually believe in our hearts 
that we can do things apart from Christ. And even Jesus said, the son of man could do nothing on his own. Jesus himself said that. And he says in John 15 that you can do nothing apart from me. Second, we must accept in our minds and our hearts that we need instruction. We need to be, we need to humble ourselves to receive instruction through his spirit, through his word, and through his people. And all three of these dynamics are needed because there are those who would give bad instruction. There were those who will manipulate God's people. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. And so we need his spirit to be giving us discernment and wisdom and, and his word to guide us and to, to test these spirits against and his people to, to, to come in and have a community of encouragement and, and perspective and accountability and all these things. And God designed us to live in this way. Maybe we have this idea that I can do it on my own. That I don't need, I don't need to engage with the Spirit. I don't really need to be in the Word. I can kind of figure this out. Maybe I don't really need His people. Maybe Sunday mornings are about it for you and you're wondering why your life is full of confusion. We must realize that Satan's gonna do all he can through our desire, our fleshly desire of independence to hinder us from receiving instruction. Because here's what happens when we receive instructions. We grow in our wisdom. And you know what happens when we grow in our godly wisdom? God is glorified among his people. Have you ever known uh, an older person full of wisdom, kind of like Stephen, where their face shone like an angel and they were full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit? And you say, oh, God is not glorified in that person's life. No, quite the opposite. There's a mystery to them. There's a drawing to want to be like them, to, to want to know what they know, to know God in the way they know God. So I would encourage you, don't be a mule. Don't make a mule of yourself. God's created you for more. He's created you to reflect his wisdom, to receive and walk in that wisdom. Would you stand as we close with uh, worship? And, and team, can we do it? It's a beautiful name. Can we do that? As we sing this song, I want us to consider in our hearts, right where, right where you're at, the areas of independence or the areas that you haven't surrendered to Jesus this morning. And here's the deal. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. You might feel conviction. You might, you might experience correction. But that correction will always be for your greater good. It will always be to draw you closer to the heart of the Father. And sometimes we just need to engage with the Spirit and say, God, I don't know the areas, but man, I know that my life feels pretty chaotic right now, God. I just need you to speak to it. I need you to help open the eyes of my heart. That's, that's a prayer I pray all the time. I could, I could get knowledge in my head any time. A person without the Spirit of God can get knowledge in their head, but I can't understand the deeper truths of a life with Christ, the deeper truths of my faith, the, the, the truths that require an opening of my heart. I can't do that without the Spirit. So my prayer is, Lord, open up the eyes of my heart to seeing what I don't see. 
and surrender those areas of independence to Jesus. Get active in the word. Get active with the spirit. Get active with other believers. Because there is no other way to be a person of wisdom that reflects the glory of Christ without a heart that's willing to be instructed. And when we, when we are, are receiving instruction, it's then that we get to give instruction. And God is glorified in that interaction as well. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.